Hello and welcome to episode 168 of Navigating the Modern World. I am so honored that today I get to make a podcast with one of my closest friends, Sadie Bingham. She is a therapist, she is a Buddhist practitioner, and she is just a dear friend. So the front part of our podcast got cut off, so I'm going to just start us up right here, right now. Enjoy. So Sadie is a therapist, um, and she is also a Buddhist practitioner, and that is as you all know, for anybody who listens to my podcast is like my first love, <laughs> Buddhism. And, um, and so Sadie and I have really found, I don't know, like a connection and a vulnerability with sharing and talking about our Buddhist practice. And, and then we also just have a blast together. So that's like the positive. It's like being Sangha is the gift and just this like very extra special part is that we just like have a blast together. So, um, Sadie, is there anything else you want to add about what you do? And also, will you say your website in case people are like stoked to find out more about you? Sure. It's www.sadiebinghamtherapy.com. So my first and last name, therapy.com. Um, I guess like the only thing I would want to add was just how incredibly stoked I was when I had gotten an email saying there was this meditation class being offered at the yoga studio that I had been practicing in Gig Harbor for a few years. And I had left Seattle to Gig Harbor and there was like no Sangha. Mm. And so it was very lonely for me in practice, I would say, where I had felt very rooted in Sangha in Seattle. Yeah. So when I got this letter saying like, hey, there's this new class being offered at the studio and this is the practitioner. Her name is Kimberly Johnson. This is the website. It was so curious. I went into your website, dived in and was like, you just spoke my language. And I felt like I had been like missing that language in so long. Oh. And I emailed you right away. I was like, oh, my God, like I, too, am a practitioner and um, there isn't a lot of song. I'm so grateful you're introducing it to our community here. Mm. And you, like, said I had just finished Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock's program, and they were, like, my teachers. Like, my, mm. like Jack Cornfield, if it wasn't for him, I would never have been introduced to Buddhism. So I could get emotional thinking about how, like, pivotal that was to me in my life reading his book. Mm. And you, know, you had been trained by him, and then Tara Brock was, like, essential in helping me survive COVID. I just really fell in love with her teachings. So you were such a breath of fresh air. And then on top of that, we just like so gingerly continued to like reach out to each other. And I had done your workshop and it was just really cool, organic friendship yeah. that came out of nowhere and is like here to stay. It's yeah. such a blessing. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, whenever you say Sangha, how do you define Sangha? Because I know like sometimes I use words like that on this podcast and people will like literally email me. And I have said Sangha before and defined it here, but I would love if you shared, like, what your definition of Sangha is. What do they email you? Oh, they like, just – like, what does that mean? Or, like, can you tell me, like, you know, like, they're just curious yeah. about some of the things that I think we say or talk about. That maybe is very specific. To yeah. The Buddhist yeah, so Sangha is, in my mind, spiritual friendship. 
And a spiritual friendship is like one of the most essential needs in my life, really. Like I demand it from my husband, you know, really. I'm like, we have to be engaged spiritually because it's so important. And um, I had felt like, yeah, like that there was a void. But I think that there, like I have a really close friend who's very spiritual. And uh, we totally vibe and connect and that is very unique and different than a person who's actually practicing Buddhism, which mm. is um, just because it's been only my experience. It's just like such an accountable practice. It's like everybody is doing the work all the time and is like doing their best not to spiritually bypass and get kind of like distracted for a bit. So it was um, so Sangha to me are like, that's kind of specific core group and also can be open to like whatever capacity somebody's practicing like their spirituality in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's how I would define it too. It's, um, you're a cool friend for me because you're my very first friend that is my age that like, I can like kind of live beside as I walk through life um that practices buddhism as much as me like yeah. that is interested yeah. as much as me you know what i mean like i feel like people are curious about buddhism and i've met many great people who like are curious or have heard stuff about it or have done some meditation but like i feel like um you study like i study and it's really cool it's like it's like cool to be able to talk to you about higher level concepts in Buddhism. I don't have much of that in my life besides like mentors or teachers, you know? So it's just super, it's been such a blessing to me. Um, yes, I completely agree. And this kind of, this kind of brings me to like what we're going to kind of chat about today. Um, I just sprung this on Sadie yesterday. So <laughs> um, I had just been thinking of you. Yeah. That bizarre. And I was like, I miss her. And then you texted me. I was like, oh, yeah, I get to hang out with yes. her. Yes. Do you have that quote? Did you write down the quote in front of you? I have it in front oh, of me. Will you read it? Okay. So we're going to just start kind of this like more in depth conversation with a quote. And then I kind of just want to riff off the quote and like talk about what you think it means, what I think it means, what it makes me think about, what it makes you think about. Um, so will you read the quote? And by the way, the, this quote was quoted, it's like not the exact words, but it's quoted by a yoga teacher that I had this week. So, Sadie, do you okay. want to Yeah. So the quote is, at the end of your life, maybe your entire experience was just where you chose to put your attention in each moment. Mm. Will you read it again? Okay, at the end of your life, maybe your entire experience was just where you chose to put your attention in each moment. You're such a good reader. I was really fast the first time, but thank you. Like you paused at all the right places. <laughs> like, what? Okay, so this is trying to tell me something. Okay. <laughs> trying to tell me something. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Very, like, layered quote. It is. What is, like, what's your initial thought when you hear that quote? <sighs> okay, so this is so exposing, and I had no idea if I was going to share this, but apparently here I am with <laughs> you. Of course I'll share. Um, my inner critic totally, like, jumped in and was like, you're not living your life like that. 
like you're not doing mm-hmm. enough. You need to be doing it more, like focusing in the moment. Um, and then I thought, but I like observed it. That's like the difference yeah. you can kind of see it. And you're like, oh, that's so interesting. Like the instinct is to always like put me down. But then the reality is not that. And I, when I really like checked it out with the reality, I was like, yeah, like, where are you putting your attention mm. in each moment? And can you actually like recollect your life? Can you, because you're paying attention to that degree. Mm. When you say recollect, what exactly do you mean? Like, where was I two weeks ago? Mm. Um, you know, cause I kind of will ask clients like questions about like, how was your week? And it's like, it's such a blur. Yeah. And I think, Things go by so fast and we can be so distracted and in a trance. And I am so um, like privy to that as well that it's like, are we really paying attention? And I see such a contrast between me at retreat, having no access to like the outside world, the level that my like stability of mind can get to Mm. and the way it is in the like a uh, real world I guess I, I was like yeah kind of like yeah. the actual world it's it's so it's a grieving process seeing that stability of mind decrease oh man yes I totally agree I totally agree whenever you think about um being able to recollect your life or you know having this kind of level of presence or ability to direct your presence um how do you think that would change you at the end of your life? I certainly feel like I would know myself more. Like you mm-hmm. would kind of like get to like a deeper level of self-awareness and self-reflection. And um, mm-hmm. I, I believe I would tap into kind of universal laws that I not only understand intellectually at this point, but that I would then on a visceral level could actually experience universal laws such as like love is kind of like this like giving force energy and that we're all interconnected like I intellectually understand that with where I am in my practice but I think if I like had such awareness moment to moment that I could begin to like truly feel it in my bones Mm. yeah that's so good do you have that experience when you go on retreat? Every time. Yeah. And I get into it quicker and quicker. Yeah. And like when I'm in it, I get deeper and deeper. Yeah. And I'm always like so committed. And like for the first time in my practice, really, I put my heart out there and was like, I'm committed. I'm meditating 45 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes in the evening. No cell phones. Like I love the like renunciation process. Like, <laughs> Because is not like, I am sure there is a Kimberly podcast where an episode is about the joy and renunciation. It feels like liberating. Yeah. It's also really painful. To like grieve something that you care about? Renunciation for me has been like, I would say a very, very painful process. Okay, I get that. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's probably just like my level of attachments. Like that's probably like I have deep attachments to certain things and so when I try to renunciate from them, I I like tend to like feel um super huge amounts of agitation. 
Oh gosh, that sounds so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> but that's, it's weird though, because like when I go on retreat, when I like force myself to be completely like isolated, right? Same thing. I'm like, I am there. I'm committed. I show up to every meditation. I am like meditating at night before I go to sleep after meditations, you know, like I'm like so in it. And like, I experience these like very profound things. And then like the second I step into real life, I'm like, what is happening? You know, it's like, it feels like renunciation becomes harder. And I've actually, I've analyzed this so much. Um, and for me, I'll just speak for myself. Renunciation feels harder when I'm in a relationship, which is weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's like sense, Kimberly. It's like you're throwing in an entire, an entirely variable like person this person can shake up your world at any moment and you have to like recalibrate and I feel like I often like in relationships like shape myself for that person and I have to work really hard to like stay inside myself and stay like committed to me and my path and what I'm here to do. It is so hard for me in relationship. I think that's like why I love being single so much, but like why I am really curious about being in relationship and being able to do my practice. Um, it feels like way more important to me to figure that shit out. Yeah. It's so hard. Oh it's my God. so hard. <laughs> like every time I want to just like, go low and just for once try and act like mindless I pay the brunt of that so tough like, oh my gosh when you then begin to like have to sit with yourself and be like what just happened like that's just not who you are that's like not what you're trying to do yeah it is like you're always having to face yourself in the mirror do you feel guilt when that happens or shame or like, what's your feeling? What is, what, how do you feel when you feel like I did not act like? Yeah. It's weird because it's like the person, it's like, of course I'm letting down the people around me, but it's like, I'm so disappointed in myself. It's like, I've let myself down. But then at the same time, like if I am going to be mindful on the waking up, that means I have to kind of pay attention to those stumbles. It's like what they say in yoga where it's like, you find your edge right when you fall out of it. Like you have to kind of like figure out like what led to that collapse of feeling like you were in integrity with yourself and yeah. then exploring it. And so that kind of makes the mess ups very interesting also. Yeah, totally. I mean, it makes it like the point almost. Yeah. Especially when you're like in relationship with a person that's like holding you accountable that's the worst. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Like, yeah, sometimes I just want to get one by, you know, and like, just go unscathed. But like, no, my person will let me know. Um, but okay. So Kimberly, the thing that I notice when I return, like what seems to draw me out is the fact that I have choice. Like the ability to access things totally does something in my mind where um, it's like, do it. 
And that's just <laughs> such a weird, like, it's like, you're kind of like, you're not in control of yourself. It's so interesting. Like I'm looking mm-hmm. right now, I'm like really having this interesting relationship to um, how much I'm on my phone. This is the most I've been on my phone. I've also been going through a lot personally. So I think I've relied on my phone to be like this refuge for me. Yeah. But I'm like trying to kind of get out of it. I'm like feeling stronger and like, okay, it's time to kind of like emerge out of this cocoon. Yeah. Um, I'm just so fascinated at like how hard it is to break a habit. Oh my gosh. It is so, that is so addicting. And our entire world is like, worked its way around this like powerful machine like I am up against the machine here for real yeah for real yeah I, retreat, I don't think twice I'm sorry but on retreat I don't think twice about it because totally. it's a waiver totally. totally um I love that that choice is kind of what pulls you that's so interesting that's so interesting um, mostly because like, how do you work with that? Like, that's your entire life. <laughs> like every moment is like a choice, right? It's like, I mean, I feel like so guilty. I, if I do anything that is like at all, not what I would say, quote unquote moral or like, I just like feel so much guilt. And it's weird. It's like, I don't quite know where that comes from, but, and shame, you know, in Buddhism, um, I think you and I talked about this once. Um, they like talk about that shame is like completely normal and good for like working on morality or working on, um, I'm trying to think of the Buddhist word, um, it's not morals. It's like virtues. And it's like shame will kind of show you where you like aren't quite there. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because our culture like teaches you that shame is almost bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be shamed is like the worst offense. It's like such a like a, such a social offense. Such totally. a high one. But yeah, in Buddhism, we're like we're like old it's okay you can step your toe into shame yes know it and it's like well why does this hurt so bad I'm like thinking about like a few times within like the past years like two to three years the moments that I've really let myself sink a bit into the shameful feeling and not avoid it and it's like life-changing the way it's just like forced me to like actually change behavior which is so hard because I'm talking about how like how I struggle like with breaking a habit it's very difficult to change a behavior and I would say like when I can touch into the shame it's it's like motivating yeah I love that I feel that same way I feel like some of the biggest life changers for me is like when shame pushes me to try to actually feel the pain that I caused someone yes yes and it's like to actually feel the pain that you could have caused is like completely life-altering yeah when you like receive it yeah and like push it away yes yeah I was thinking about this it's funny too because this choice like it kind of reminds me of this quote that we're talking about which is like 
every moment we have the choice of where our attention goes. And like to actually like I feel like intellectually that seems like a very like obvious thing. But to embody it and to actually realize that you are choosing where your attention is in each moment is like kind of has been a profound thing for me. Yeah. And I've been thinking about it with work specifically, like what if I helped my staff like choose where their attention is in their day-to-day job? So, so many of them, their attention is on like what's wrong, the problems, you know, the issues they have with scheduling, with staffing, with, you know, they're always focused on the negative. Whenever I'm like, I can obviously see both sides because I'm a little bit more removed than them. And I can see like, okay, yes, you're having this staffing issue over here, but you also have 26 other staff members that are freaking amazing. And, you know, like, yes, you may have run out of breakfast sandwiches or, you know, whatever the issue is. And then it's on the other side. It's like, but no, we had a $10,000 day. Like that's an amazing day. You know, it's like, and where they put their attention, it's kind of like the quote. It's like, then at the end of their tenure at the job, it would probably completely change like how they thought about that job versus thinking about the problems the whole time. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I'm thinking about the negativity bias, how strong that is. And um, I heard somebody say that they've recoined the negativity bias to the survival bias or something. Like, it's just like survival to kind of make sure we're preparing ourselves for further negativity. 100%. But um, when you're saying, like, how you just gave those stark examples of shifting focus, that to me was like, definitely like a half glass full kind of person who just has like chosen to see that like there's always kind of like nothing is ever all bad there's like mm-hmm. no absolute anything and so it's like yeah maybe we ran out of like sandwiches but that's because we like killed it today in sales there yeah. is a reason for this. yeah but um it sounds like also okay so for me Kimberly I was thinking what When I can, like, um, pay attention to the present moment, whenever it, like, slips my mind or something like that, I will typically have, like, the inner critic show up. And so usually that's, like, the first person that docks to me. Yeah. The roommates, all the roommates. (laughs) I'll be like, you need to meditate. The crazy neighbors, yeah. She's, like, always, like, keeping me online. You need to meditate. And then I'll be like, oh, I don't have time. Like, I haven't, like, been able. I also have to do this. Like, life is real. Yeah. And so, like, you, one of the greatest lessons I think you've taught me is just to, like, live the meditation and the practice. Mm. And um, sometimes our practice goes through phases of being informal where we're not necessarily able. Because, you know, I was, like, 45 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes in the evening. You know, I really wanted to, like because I know the practice is essential and then just life gets busy yeah. and I think also the variability of a partner like maybe one time when I wanted to sit they wanted to go get a movie and it's like I just was on retreat I haven't seen you so right now I'm going to choose that so um anyways uh, where was I going with that but just that the inner critic shows up and then I'll be like I don't have time and then this kind of wiser mind shows up and it's like you can meditate right now yes you're doing the dishes Yes. Pay attention to your feet. 
like what does it feel like to have the water you know over your hands or like what is the temperature what does it smell like like I'm always feeling like I'm practicing like paying attention like when I'm cooking because it's so spicy you know (laughs) no pun intended like there's just so much to pay attention to it's like there's a lot going on yeah Um, so like you can practice then but the moments when um I recognize that I'm actually kind of getting more cerebral and in my head about something and it doesn't feel like it's a moment to moment awareness, but I'm kind of stuck and I'm like either dwelling or there's that mental proliferation where the mind just kind of keeps on building on itself. That's when there's an emotional experience tied to it. And I really have to tend to it and like kind of figure it out. And I'm maybe not as like mindful with my surroundings or as like practicing as much awareness because I'm like kind of, figuring I'm like undoing a knot or something like there's something all over I love that distinction like when you're caught in a big way that there's some emotional there's something emotional happening also to like pay attention to that's great I feel like um I feel like with my new job and everything going on in life I've really been able to notice like how quickly you can revert back to not being mindful And like, so I totally understand what you're saying. It's like your life is happening and it's like, you just find yourself. Like I sometimes recently have just found myself being like, have I even like noticed my breath at all today? You know what I mean? Like, um, and it's interesting for me to think about, it's kind of like what you were talking about before, like the recollecting of your life. It's like, it's kind of an interesting thing for me to think about is like, how might my life be different if I were being mindful and directing my intention to the present moment more and more and more. And it's like, I know what would end up happening is that I would be experiencing an aliveness, but I think that that aliveness is super vulnerable. I think we distract from it because like in that vulnerable present moment state, you like feel everything. You're vulnerable to everything. It's like, I think we distract ourselves for probably good reason because I think presence with as like absolutely inspiring it can be and like touching, I think it also is the place that like we go to die almost. It's like where all the pain is. Oh my gosh, yes. It's such a like, like for me, I just have a lot of fear. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, am I going to survive? What What do you fear most? Always of, like, I think being de- decrepit. <laughs> yeah. It's like losing it all, kind of. Like, yeah. so I think when you're kind of in that vulnerable experience, it's like there's this is a high-stakes high experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got to actually, like, be with whatever is there. And sometimes it's, like, super uncomfortable stuff. Yeah, but um, I also just really appreciate that part about how vulnerable it is. Because, man, it's, like, can be kind of exhausting sometimes practicing. Yeah. It's, like, sometimes you need, like, a little bit of a break because it's so, like, heavy. It's, like, so fun, but also heavy because I kind of think about it the way you were just talking about it. I just had this visualization of, like, my practice being, like, a little baby. Yeah. And if, like, and my practice, like, 
deeply rooted in like my style of Buddhism is practicing awareness moment to moment. So literally what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like, and if I have not been able to like catch a breath that day or something like that, it's like, oh man, I neglected my baby. Mm. This is a baby. I care the most. My relationship to my spiritual practice is the most important thing because it's my relationship to myself, really. Yeah. Earth. And so it can be like, just like a little sad to kind of notice for me. I just feel a little sad to like notice days when, yeah, I haven't had a moment to myself, which would actually be today. And so (laughs) (laughs) this is what it is. But I mean, I practice like, and all these little moments that I would have like maybe reached for the phone, but like practice waiting in line and just being in the moment because it's like, if I don't have time to do that formal sit, which is so I think important, um, I have to kind of like use life right now to practice. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, you know how you're saying it's kind of like hard sometimes to like, like, um, I'm trying to remember. I don't know if you use the word hard. I'm trying to remember what word you used. Heavy? Yeah. Like it's kind of heavy to do that. I'm wondering if like, it's like what in Buddhism they say the suffering that in suffering, you know, like you have to like feel that suffering and I I like I have this feeling it could be wrong but I have this feeling that if you allow yourself to actually go through that feeling that there's like a very relaxed presence there um because sometimes in yoga I feel it okay so like the other day I was in yoga and I would it's like in um it's in like bowing heart pose it's like your arms are out kind of like child's pose but your heart you're like on your forehead and your heart is like super stretched out and it's like pretty painful in the shoulders for me at least and I was noticing the other day I was in it and I was like feeling all of this pain and I was like it's okay like that's this is just in the body and I was like allowed myself to just go to like notice the body pain and then this kind of consciousness that like is observing the body pain. And it was so peaceful in the consciousness. (laughs) It was so peaceful. I was just like, and I was experiencing like enough pain where I thought I should get out of the pose. So that's like pretty rare. And I was like noticing that I could like actually notice that there was pain, but I could also be in this like rested peaceful place where it was like the pain was no longer really pain it was just kind of like the sensation that I knew was occurring um and I always think about that when I like start feeling burdened by my practice or something I'm like Kimberly like if you allow yourself to go into that discomfort there is something on the other side that is like worth going through it but man to freaking allow yourself to go through it is so hard yeah like honestly I did not even think that I was resisting feeling that but yeah because I struggle with it yeah I me too man I like (laughs) seriously struggle with it but like I love the idea it was like this quote was like I love okay I have been, I would say, probably, like, a victim of the thought that, like, life is happening to me. Mm. Like, that life is hard and that, like, I don't feel like, like, it feels, like, a little bit like I don't have control. Yeah. 
totally. I know that feeling. Yeah. And it's like this quote makes me remember that I actually, there is some bit of ability to control every single situation that occurs just in where I put my attention. But it's like crazy. Think about how much work you put in to get to that moment to say that. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think people are listening or are thinking? They're like, um, that yeah. like for you to say that, like, and also like the way you just described holding that posture, like, I certainly would not be, I don't think, be able to sit in that pain. I, because I notice like in yoga, if I do a backward bend, I struggle with the fact that my chest is compressed and I can't breathe fully, and I'm like, Boop popping on out yeah you know and so I'm kind of like working with like dealing with the fear of like oh my gosh it's like I'm having difficulty breathing mm. but like I am certainly not yet at a space where I feel like I can kind of tolerate it in yeah. a conscious and aware way it's more like I'm kind of mindful mindful and then I like reach my edge and have to pop out yeah uh, so I'm probably thinking that like you have dedicated your life to this practice and to like studying and working on your mind and like to be able to say something like that, like that you feel like you actually can have some semblance of control of where you put your energy in the moment to moment shows like one that it's possible to other people. And like what you say at the beginning of your meditations, like awakening is possible. Do you feel that when you're at retreats, the ability to, like, more? Yeah. I mean, there's, like, a mind-muscle memory, I think, with the retreat experience. Yeah. It's, like, you just kind of get into it. Um, but, you know, the cool thing is, is, like, I've worked so much with the grieving process of retreats. Mm. Like, that was such a gift to kind of study that and to, like, learn more and more about what is it um, that helps support me so much. And really it's that the retreat is also very structured. I can literally relax. I am in my comfort zone because it's controlled down to the like 30 minute. Yes. Mark. Yes. Um, whereas out in the world, it is just dynamic. Yeah. as um, Especially owning your own business or like you have to structure everything. It's not yeah, given to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're always kind of like, and for me at least, it's like, I'm always kind of assessing like, how much have I done? Yes. Have I done enough work? Because it's like, then mine never really like feels satisfied, you know? But yeah. now, you know, I'm at the point now where it's like, I understand what it feels like to not feel satisfied. And I'm like, okay with that. You know, I mean, yes. I've had that moment. So I'm like, whatever. <laughs> it is like it is also like so true and proven that like if you have routines that like people that are routined often have more space like mental and physical space for creativity and yeah. I kind of feel like the meditation process is like a creative process right it's like this like kind of dance oh, yes. and like I don't know. I feel the same way. I feel like I wish I like wish and I have tried and like I can get some parts, but like I wish that I could structure my life like a retreat. Totally. I would do it. And I think I actually can. That's the thing. It's yeah. like I do think I can. This is where like my mind starts going to like, 
yeah, but you're in a relationship. You have to have dinner. Like you have to, like you're like, cause yeah. like I would like want to only eat till noon. Like I want to do all the, the meditation practices, but it's like my mind automatically goes to like why I can't do it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I can't do it. Cause like, how am I going to have fun if I'm only eating at till noon? And then like, what if I want to go have dinner with somebody or like, um, like you live in a 700 square foot a-frame with a loft like how are you going to meditate as much as you want with like a partner you know it's like my brain just starts going to like all these things that like prevent me from being able to like live that life and it's just like it's just interesting to like observe and be like huh none of that is like like yeah okay that's true like all those things are true and like you can still do the practice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also it's really interesting to watch when you fall out of the practice. So like, for example, let's say like you were wanting to do like eating until noon. That yeah. to be like seven days a week. If you did it five days a week and then the weekend you allowed yourself experiences that were like, outlier experience and kind of wild and letting go and you were kind of with that too like the freeing experience of that yeah that would also be kind of fun so I feel like you could do all those things but it just wouldn't be like 100 percent. yeah yeah it would just be like a different version than retreat yeah and I think we would probably feel like it's maybe like a little like I this is just me but sometimes I feel like the like day-to-day retreat life which is so abundant in its lessons feels inferior to like the retreat life that is like controlled and people are making my meals you know I just show up and eat <laughs> my teacher was saying no wonder you know monks are enlightened because they don't have to make meals <laughs> so much work that goes into making a meal um so much time so yeah just kind of looking at like the day-to-day life is also I mean very I feel like that's why you have to meditate if you want to be a lay person you have to make your life a walking meditation. It's the only way that it'll work. <laughs> it's like you don't have time to, like, to do the things that you do on retreat. Like you just have to like, there's really no option, it feels like. Yes, there is. <laughs> I'm like, why am I just vibing out here in the sunshine? Oh, yeah, because I don't have laundry to do. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs want me to be walked. It's like when you're home, your mind is on. No, it's so true. Like today I just sat... So I went to a thrift store this morning and I found these like outdoor chairs for our porch. And so like I got home and I just sat in them and it was like, it felt like the first time I felt like relaxed in like a week. Yes. And I was like, man, why don't I just sit out here in the sun more often? But it's like, I think the mind like tricks us into thinking other things are more important. And sometimes they are. You're so right though it's like the mind is comfortable in the doing it it's a little agitated in the stillness <laughs> it's a lot of agitation <laughs> it'll like it it'll like it because like i'll watch the difference between when i first sit and it's like my body is so wiggly it's like taking a child and asking them to be still it's just like oh come on come on there's so many other things to be doing yeah. <laughs> to be doing like dishes right now you know like everything seems more exciting than to sit and then it takes i think about four minutes of that like significant discomfort to get into a space of stillness and then once it's in it's like oh yeah this yeah. is why i'm here it's yeah for the six 
Um, but you're, when you said that, like, sometimes we don't have space in our schedules, I totally noticed that when I have been too busy um, and have not had enough downtime that I struggle doing, like, the real inner work, I, mm-hmm. like, it's a little bit too agitating to kind of transition because when you're buzzing from, like, social engagements or um, working a full week, your energy is high. And I just kind of see it kind of get lower and lower and lower where I can get deeper and deeper into that like connection with myself when I have an abundance of time, but in space, but without that, like, so that's like kind of something when I've noticed I've been like, like today is just like the practice today is like today is one of those days you don't get to kind of do the tangible things that make you feel like you're a good little yogi. Mm-hmm. You're going to work with that. Today is just one of those days where you're just a human, you know, and like you kind of got to like, just be in your body and be agitated and like feel the discomfort of being alive. Oh my gosh. It's painful, man. It is so painful. Like, <laughs> and that's why you're saying that when we become present, we're so vulnerable because we're literally like, I am an emotional wreck all the time because I'm always so sensitive and in my feelings and like, yeah. like I don't really, you know, have a lot of armors. And so that means like you feel a lot. Oh my gosh. I mean, whenever I, like, actually start being honest about the ways I numb myself, I'm like, okay. <laughs> You're like, we got to run it back in. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. But it's like, I feel so grateful that we can just laugh about it because I feel like there was a time in my life when I would have just beat myself up so much about it. And now I'm just kind of like, well, this too. Like, this, too, is the practice. Like, this, too, is... Like, it doesn't... Like, meditation in life doesn't exclude that stuff. It's like, that is it also. And it's so hard to remember that when you're, like, feeling like you've done something wrong or that you're not doing something good enough or you're, like, binge eating and feeling guilty about it. I know. That's that that second part, the wise mile, and it's like, this too right it's like yes. that part that's when I'm like oh I haven't had time to meditate and then that wise mind is like right now yeah committed right now yes like going to the bathroom <laughs> you be aware of every single step <laughs> as you go to the bathroom it's like all these little moments in the like mundane experiences of life I know well and that's what I love about this quote is like I have spent a lot of time just like thinking about death and meditating on death. And like when I get to like where I'm like dying in the meditation, I feel like the only thing that I ever care about is like my breath. It's weird. It's like, I don't care about, I, it's like, and this is like maybe like intense, but like, I don't, I'm no longer thinking about people. I'm no longer thinking about the things I did wrong, the things I did right. Like, none of that even really exists. It's like this, like, I just want to be closer to my breath. And it's like this weird, and I don't know what breath signifies because breath is a part of the human experience in the body. So maybe it's like that pulsing universal whatever, right? Um, But like when I think about this quote and I think about, okay, being at the end of my life. So being right there and like looking back, it's like maybe the directing, the attention is just like the preparation for that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like, I think if you dedicate your life to practice, yeah, Yeah. that can be an option for you. I think, um, maybe 
you know, I can just imagine like a little, for some people, a lot of fear right in that moment, like maybe still being kind of stuck in the physical body. But, um, totally. I'm still at the, I think the last thing I would think about, um, would probably be my people. Mm. Like so that to me is like the life force energy of love mm. that, that like connects me to vitality. I love that. But maybe, I mean, maybe the breath is like beyond that. I, I totally can understand that too. I feel like they're probably the same. I mean, they could be. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> no, we, they, we're just like curious on the path of life. We're just like trying to collect all these like. I know, we're just know, trying to make like, sense of it all. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like that is so beautiful. And I feel like. Um, I feel like a lot of people would feel that way. Like, I really do. I feel like so many people like people is their thing. And I think I think it's like the thing that makes them want to live. It's like the thing that gives them joy. It's the thing, you know, and like, I, I feel like probably that's exactly, that is the breath too. You know, like that's both. It's like they both, and maybe, and maybe all of it, maybe everything. Even the emotions. Yeah. It's just like, maybe everything is that. And we all just like connect to it in different ways or feel it in different ways. We do, we do which is why Buddhism for us and other people it's like dance totally or christianity or ah, other faith exactly 100%. it's like it's it's so and then if that's that kind of like that spiritual space space where it kind of like it's a little bit wider where it's like we you and i our love for practice is like very similar to whichever person's love of whatever is their art or um their expression isn't that so cool that's like my favorite thing feeling that oh my just like watching other people do things that you're like that is the thing for them like you uh, know it's a, it, you feel like you're like accessing something very special and precious. yes oh my god where do you feel that most when watching okay. another person wait what was the question where have you felt that most when watching another person like felt like they like transcended you somewhere to like <laughs> music same yes and when you i mean when you have sent me your music it has touched my soul oh say <laughs> that's why i always text you right afterwards i'm like that was incredible oh you are so sweet i really would love to like i would like love to combine like music and buddhism in some way like make music yeah or, like yeah, or, like, that, like, tells about the Buddhist practice. Like, I kind of want to write songs about the Dharma and then, like, make music. Oh, that's so cool. Like, where it's almost, like, reminds me of um, the vows in the morning. Yes. The chanting. Yes. It's like, how that has kind of a rhythm to it. You're kind of singing. Yes. And you're, like, teaching about the Dharma, yep. which is the the... I mean, what do you think of when Dharma? I have a few different, I've like seen a few different things for Dharma. Ooh, the word Dharma. Um, gosh. (laughs) I mean, it's really like everything. Yeah, isn't it like life? It's like life. Yeah, it's like everything. Yeah. 
but like seeing about like seeing about it from like kind of the buddhist teachings and perspective it's like i mean maybe for some reason i'm just thinking of like it for kids or something (laughs) (laughs) story time A, a song story time that like teaches them about like the history and like the ways of practicing i and love I'm- that that's what you saw <laughs> i saw myself like leading a, a group of people to take some mushrooms and like dance for six hours <laughs> wow i love that and your music will be playing in the background yeah oh okay that was what i was first trying to say <laughs> Oh, no. Um, but that would be really cool. Where people vibe to your music. Yeah. That, like, sometimes I listen to music now, and I'm like, God, they're so wise. Oh, my they're gosh. So wise. They're, like, teaching me something about life. Yes. And even, I, like, I that. feeling music in your body. Yeah. It's like. It's crazy when I, like, switch from podcast to music, um, how much more I'm in my body and not in my head. That's, that's cool. I totally get it. I totally get it. I, oh man, music is like dancing too. Do you like to dance? (laughs) Yes, I love to dance. I love to dance. (laughs) I'm terrible, but I love it. Yeah, right. I highly doubt you're terrible. I mean, like, it depends, like what scale we're comparing my dancing to but for lay persons i don't know what, maybe like not anybody professional or anything like that okay i mean i'll say this i can i feel very expressed as a person when i'm dancing oh cool i love that yeah i always have said it's like my body's way of ex- like expressing itself well, it's interesting because when I was jogging the other day, I was like, oh, this sucks so badly. And then I was thinking about what you said when you were like, running, I feel the most, my my fullest expression of like my animalness. Mm, for real. So, just like another kind of experience. That, Did you like, tap into that? <laughs> to like the, like the epitome of the experience. Yeah. Did you feel wild for a second? I tried. I tried to get into the body and maybe it opened because like, it was almost like the strides were getting shorter. Yes. Because I was like kind of trying to like, I was resisting it at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, don't do it. Um, And then I kind of opened up a little bit more. I kind of leaned into it really. Yeah. Oh man, running. So I was just looking back at our quote. Yeah. I was thinking about how like you and I and the way we communicate sometimes where we'll get like so heady and like we like intellectualizing everything and then we like switch it up and it just gets so silly and how we're switching our attention. Mm. We're paying attention to. Yeah. I I think this is why I love your friendship so much is because like I can talk about the heady stuff that I think about, but then I can also just be a fool. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's so good to be around people where you can let go like that. Oh my gosh. It's healing, I think. I like don't have that many people that like I feel super free with, you know what I mean? I think we always, you know, feel like we're being judged. Yeah. And like I I don't know. I feel like I've been really trying to like pay attention to my judging of others because like 
it is always happening but what i've noticed is that like i'm not really judging them i'm like judging me against them which is like weird it's like more comparison yeah that's like comparison yeah that it's because it's like maybe a side-by-side emotion kind of thing yeah i think so yeah and it can feel confusing because like I'll think that I'm, like, being judgmental to them. It's kind of like that's the jacket it wears. But, like, actually, I'm just, like, judging myself. Yeah, I know. It's so – that's painful. That's it's... so painful to see. That's, like, another one of those things when we, like, are curious about the behavior. Like, when we see the judgment, we're like, what's that about? And then, like – but not – and, again, not a, everyone would be, like, would want to inspect that. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, whereas we're like, what is this about? <laughs> like, it's something deeper. I mean, it's I, like I literally have been, like, investigating that around my mother so intensely since moving home. It's like, you know how, like, you you just want something to be somebody else's fault? <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, Kimberly, you know it's you just keep looking (laughs) you know what I mean and it's like I can just see how fearful I am about some of my behavior and like how it might come across to others and like I don't know I just like judge myself so harshly and I think my mother is kind of just like a mirror of that it's very interesting it's like oh man relationships (laughs) I feel like this is how we started this conversation. It's like, um, you know, they say, like, I was just, not they say, but I was listening to somebody discuss something and I resonated with it as truth. It's like, like the way to enlightenment is through relationships. Mm. Because it's like, it is so triggering. You know, you really have to like pay attention to it all. Yeah. Sometimes there's no resolution. Like when you were saying, when you were saying, um, I sometimes wish it like was somebody else's fault. Yeah, totally. I have come my, where I am in my life is kind of stop looking at myself as the person at fault. And then like more holding people accountable for their behaviors. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting is right. Yeah. No, it's cool because it's like we're in like different. It's like if everything's a cycle, we're just like in different parts of the cycle of it. Different phases. Yeah. I totally get that. I think that like. I think I also have been in some bit of that, too, especially with like moving back here. I know so many people that like I do have to like put up. I have to be more intentional and like hold people accountable because like, I don't have the energy to like, I don't have the energy for relationships like I used to. Mm, So like, it's like, you know, it's kind of like what Brene Brown says. She's like, you know, create boundaries that are integrous for you so you can be generous with people. And I feel like whenever I'm choosing to like hold people accountable, it's literally just so I can like be kind to them. (laughs) Oh, totally. And I think that that is the key when we figure out what is the point to boundaries, yes. it's so that we can have a loving relationship. 100%. 100%. having resentments. Yes. It's like being able to, like, actually be heard and listen to, like, yourself and the other person and, like, create something that is actually sustainable. Because yeah. I feel like it's not sustainable to, like, never say things. But I also don't think it's sustainable to say everything. It's oh, like it's this not, weird balance. 
it's always balanced. Yeah. That's and true. I like the way I practice is I swing to the extremes. <laughs> That's how I learn. <laughs> totally. And, like, so I'll like be maybe really introspective and like always kind of taking internal accountability and more um, willing to apologize or something like that. And then I'm going to go to like this other extreme where I am no longer looking at myself when I'm looking outside of myself and trying to see like what is reality and what are the facts kind of like, mm. you know, that other piece where it's like you're bringing up a lot. Yeah. But it's never the answer yeah. that you kind of through the exploration of the extremes. I feel like we find the middle way. Yeah, no, totally. Jack Kornfield used to say always like that you need to evaluate your percentage of, of attention. So he was always saying like, you should have 50% inside yourself and 50% in the world. And you should like always like judge what percentage you're living in. Um, and I think that that's an interesting, like it's been interesting for me to notice. Cause I think a lot of times I do the same. I'm like in the extreme, I'm like fully in myself, paying attention, meditating, like noticing, or I'm like fully in the world, just like noticing everything happening out here. You know what I mean? It makes me think of the rhythms of life. I think it's just like following the energy. Cause when I kind of see certain things that change for me or shift, yeah. it's usually in reaction to life. It's like, I'm having to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's like reminds me of even the quote. It's like, what if I put 50% on both? Like, would I be able to recollect my experience more? Would I be, would I be more alive? Would I be able to experience that aliveness? Because 50% of my attention is like actually in the sensation part. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting to talk about and think about. It's like uh, one of those conversations that I feel like just kind of like turned me a little bit that made me because I had to reflect upon it and I'm like how do I feel about this yeah <laughs> you know like yeah. do I feel like I am honoring that yeah um, I think in Buddhism uh we hold death close we practice on death we talk about death yeah um we get intimate with the experience of death and realizing that you know this life is fickle mm. and I think that it just is like one of these, one of these conversations is pointing out is like, how am I, what am I going to remember? Do I feel good about the way I invested my energy and my attention? Like, do I feel like at peace with that? Yeah. 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 I feel like too, like something it's like, it's like, I don't want to get rid of my attention straying in places that maybe aren't the most helpful but like what I love to think about is like getting better and better at like directing my attention toward like being like little things like being kind to myself instead of beating myself up like just choosing where I'm putting that attention like finding the good in my body in my mind in my profession you know finding the good about like the great things about myself instead of like focusing so intensely on like the things that aren't great about myself or like in my job like thinking about the things I can do versus thinking about all the things I'm not doing you know it's like no Kimberly like I was thinking this today I was like what if I just put more of my attention on listening to people instead of they start talking and I'm trying to find solution automatically. 
Like, what yeah. if I just, like, listened? Like, if I put my attention there, like, what thing might blossom out of that? It's kind of interesting. Like, it's kind of like maybe no matter where your attention goes, things blossom out of it. But it's just, like, what do you want to grow? Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Do you want to grow your defilements? Yeah. Or your virtues? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um I don't know. I just like think that um, if we look at it as time spent in our bodies, then I can, I understand that. That makes more sense to me versus like, there's something that kind of clicks on when you practice your awareness. It's like a little bit more of like a light Mm -hmm. or like, you know, so it's like when I think about how will I feel when um, I remember like where I was in my body, that I just definitely feel like I can relate to that. Because mm. I feel like I'm really potentially in my body a lot right now. Mm. Does that feel good? Yeah, it does feel good because um, I think like when I'm envisioning kind of like my things that I can put my energy into that are not supportive or of my health, basically my well-being. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to just kind of like see that and recognize that like oftentimes I'm valuing things that like society has told me I need to value instead of being more like in my body and caring about like the things I think about and my opinions on things and my mind and my heart like how beautiful those things are but instead like all these kind of like exterior ways to assess myself that Mm. are like not of my choosing yeah I don't want to care about that stuff totally totally yeah I feel like I feel like awareness is like very privileged yes oh my god to focus on your mind yeah you ever think about the privilege that we have to like have all of our needs met totally. and to, to like go and study the mind because totally. we are not stressed about our livelihood like that is just insane to me I feel like it's a it's like um, a responsibility we carry. Yeah. I mean, it makes me want to, like, teach the Dharma. It makes me want to, like, and get access to everybody. You know, it makes me want to, like, and not only by even teach the Dharma, I think what I even mean is just live it, right? It's, like, just more and more live it. Like, I feel like when you're living a universal truth, like, you've embodied the universal truth enough that you are living it then every single person that comes in contact with you, like it will translate, like it, they will feel it. They will experience it. They will know like, and then in that it's like a little reminders, you know, that it's possible for them too. like, I feel like when a person receives kindness or somebody is giving to a person, like in a genuine way, it affects you so deeply, like, and it reminds you what life is about it. Like, there's such like a, a beauty in it. And like, I want to learn just every day how to walk more and more like that. Like I've been thinking about, um, giving and I've been thinking about like how much I want to just keep letting go of things and stuff and money. And so that like, I can like, I just really want to practice it. (laughs) I like want to know it and practice it. And like, I don't know, like, 
it's weird how much I, I feel these desires, but to actually like take action and follow through is like tougher, more tough. What would be an example of that? Um, well, the example that I can think of is like my grandpa and then just in moments of my life when I felt like I was able to emulate his behavior. But like my grandpa was just literally the most giving person. He lived with practically nothing. He lived in poverty. But if you went to his house and if he had $5, he would give it to you. Like he, and I never understood it. I was always kind of like, are you, are you crazy? Like you literally don't have enough money to like pay your bills. Like, can I, will you just keep your $5 or like, one time we were behind a chicken truck, like chickens that are about to get butchered and one fell out and my grandpa grabs the chicken and follows the truck and gives it to the truck owner. Cause my grandpa like, just like, this is the trucks. Like he just always wanted to do right. And he was like the, he was like the person that if you were his neighbor, he, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even ask, you'd wake up one day and he had mowed your lawn. <laughs> like just like the most loving giving person and like oh, wanted scary. nothing back always thinking about the other person's experience yes which is the like one of the most important teachings in the dharma is like generosity yeah so your grandpa was living the dharma oh my gosh and people just thought he was crazy. I mean, the amount of people that were like, look, now he has no money and his kids are having to take care of him at old age. Like, it's because, you know, like people like just twisting generosity because it didn't fit into the mold of like modern day society, you know, like. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I want to be more and more. I just want to be more and more like that. And I just know that I'm going to have to just like renunciation is like the, one of the best ways to practice that. Letting go and giving. Yeah. I know. It's so interesting to give with like out any attachments or outcome. No it, expected outcome. It's so just hard. For, just for the sake of giving. Yeah. Um, but okay. So for your grandpa, was he supported by the community in some ways? Like, or did he just somehow survive? Like, did you always feel like he was still held despite, like, kind of being on the brink of poverty? And um... He had, like, I mean, a bunch of, I feel like he was supported in a bunch of ways. He was in the military, so he was, like, getting military pension towards the end of his life. Um, he also, like, was a preacher for a long time, and so, like, people would check in on them and take care of them in some ways, you know, like, bring food or whatever. Um, and then he just, I mean, his kids, my mom took care of them. You know, my mom took care of him till the day he took his last breath. Like, and she and was happy to do it. Oh, I love that. That's how I want to be. Yeah. I mean, she was like, what, what else would I do? Like she, you know, watching my mom do that, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, that's very beautiful. Like to take care of people as they're passing on. Yeah. It's like, I think it's one of those times that I know maybe people will feel kind of concerned about, but I'm like, I'm already like kind of preparing myself for and also hoping that I show up in a way that I can feel like was truly present. 
and didn't avoid that kind of intensity of like seeing your parents age. Yeah. Same, same. I know. I like, I think about sometimes I feel fearful of having to take care of my parents. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like that's a big burden and like, that's a lot. But then there's this other part of me that, I don't know, it's like this recognition of like, yeah, but they're your parents. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're attached to them. Yeah, it's like, you didn't like, you didn't really choose this. Like, this is like, this is part, this is one of the lifetime assignments. Well, I don't expect to have any kids. I'm like, who's going to take care of me? (laughs) I mean, same. We I'm take like, care of each I, other. I know, really. It might be sisterhood at the end of the days. For I real. I mean, women tend to live longer than men by seven years. Yep, for real. That's what, like, whenever my family's like, who's going to take care of you when you age or grow old? I'm always like, I will have community take care of me. Yeah. You checking in on me. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> and, like, I think that that is, like, the natural gift of giving too it's like if you're a generous person I think that there's like a level that we can like settle into the trust that like we will be also given that generosity oh totally I mean yeah maybe not in the same way that we gave it but but that like you take care of people they'll take care of you totally yeah yeah I think this is like why so you know I have a homeless brother but sometimes I'm I feel so intensely sad about people experiencing homelessness because they are like some of the people that do feel like a little bit like forgotten. Yeah. And like, I feel like my brother is very lonely, but I think even that community takes care of each other. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't know for sure, but, um, I read this book one time and the depiction was that in fact it was a community. Yeah. I I think it definitely is for sure. Yeah. I mean, my brother, like he says that like he, like if you ask him if he has a family, he says no. And he says, no, I'm a street kid. Like that's like, they like call themselves street kids and like young 16. Oh, so yeah. So when he was 16 and now he's 40, you know, Oh. Oh, that's what he used to refer to himself as? No, now even, but it's like, oh. he like grew up on the street. So he like, he's, he like identifies himself. He's been homeless his entire life. Almost his entire life. Yeah. Almost. Okay. Um, it's very like profound. Isn't that interesting? Just to like, you know, like his soul, maybe like that was his path. Oh, I mean, I hope so. I really... That gives me peace at night, at least, to think that way. I mean, I have had to come to terms with that with people in my life who it's, like, painful yeah. how much I love them and, like, see suffering. Yeah. Um, and also, like, okay, so for me, I try and look away from the suffering a bit and not fixate on that and think about, like, all the abundance and other aspects um homelessness now i'm not sure i i can't speak to like maybe what would be positive aspects for that but um like for example when i have like had significant alcoholism in my family it's like i could totally go along with like the choir and think that these people are like 
such failures and like they should be continued to be ostracized in the family and we think poorly of them and like follow that but then when I like just shift that attention and I'm like oh my gosh they're incredible human beings like they have actually abundant lives and but there's also this aspect of them yes but um that is a tiny portion of who they are as a human yeah I mean that is for sure how I feel about my brother like he is like brilliant bright funny like you know has charisma he like he is like a whole entire beautiful person um and then he just experiences this like kind of extreme thing you know totally same with like alcoholism it's like I feel like exactly the same yeah um I wonder if it's because of the brightness hmm you mean of the of the people there's just a sense to me that like People, I think, either have had significant experiences that have altered their ability to cope to such a degree where it's like the functioning is lost and that's what they're going to do, whether it be drink or need to live on the streets. Um, They, like, also happen to be, like, extremely sensitive people. And it's almost like, is the sensitivity what makes that coping mechanism, like, uh, resource basically. Mm. Like I think about like all the kind of famous people who have died young that we have adored in our society and yeah. our culture. It's like Prince, Whitney Houston. Um, and they were like geniuses. They were like musical geniuses and they excelled in this extreme capacity. And then there was this other part Totally. That would... Okay, so yeah, you get what I mean. I mean, I think about that all the time. Like, to, I feel like to be a genius, you also have to, like, be on, like, the spectrum of crazy. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, to that level of yeah. something. Yeah. Jordan I and I were talking about this with basketball. Like, we were, like, watching these basketball players, and we were just like, these people have devoted their entire life. Like, there's got to be, like, a little bit of, like whatever drives them is like it's very intense well that's why um a lot of olympians suffer so much mentally and emotionally because like once they retire that energy that drove them to be the most competitive athletes it's like where do they put that energy and unfortunately it kind of can turn on itself totally there jordan said a quote to me the other day it was like something like um you wouldn't have Olympians without mental health issues. Because there's something a little different. That's right? like the way that they channel it. It's like, it's, they're like, it's almost like, is it the chicken or the egg? It's like, what comes first? It's like, I actually think that they probably work together to like create focus and greatness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I, it's so interesting though, Kimberly, because I had none of that growing up. But in my 20s, I am, like, in my mid-30s, like, I feel like I'm such a little athlete. Mm. <laughs> I wasn't at all growing up. And I now I'm, that. like, Mari, I'm so strong. Like, mm. I can do all these, like, fun things. But, um, no, I had none of that. <laughs> so also, maybe, like, life, you know, different stages is, like, maybe sometimes it clicks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I I feel the same way. I feel like I have always been so strong. Like I I don't know. Like I my, the physical body is profound and it like has been such an amazing thing in my life, I feel like. Yeah, okay. So with the um arm issue that I've been experiencing for 2 months yeah. and being in uh, that has been the most interesting thing to bear witness to is how much of a um, mind fuck, really, that that was to realize that my body was, like, not going to be strong the rest mm. of its life. It's like, oh, crap. Like, this will break down. Mm. And that was just really interesting because I hadn't, you know, ever had, like, significant um like medical or health issues. Yeah. I know, man, like the grieving of the body <laughs> deteriorating over time <laughs> is such a real thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, to see changes. Oh my god, to like to feel it. And like I was just talking to somebody today about how like I just cannot travel anymore. <laughs> like I my system does not like to travel. I the travel same. The travel day is just too much on my system. Like the 20 and maybe when I'm like 40s, 50s, 60s, maybe when life doesn't feel so full right now, may I be okay with that level of travel. But like, I can't just bop over to places. Yeah. No. Without it taking people on me. I totally get it. I feel, I feel very, I feel like that with everything. It's not just travel. <laughs> like, oh, can't do that anymore. Like social engagements. I like, it's like way less than it used to be. I used to, you remember like how bad I was with, my, I don't know if I ever would like talk to you about it, but I was like, man, did I measure myself by how much I was investing in relationships? Mm. And so I was always drained because mm. I, I just like, remember we would talk and I was like so busy constantly. Yes. Yeah. And it was because I was such an upholder. Mm. And then I kind of like, I don't know if it was a retreat or what, but it was like every retreat, there's always a shift. So maybe I may not have like stability of mind, but there is a significant shift where it was like, you are done running around. Like, yeah. no, no, no. So I've been a little hermit. Yeah. Like ever since, like maybe September, it's felt like, um, or October, I think I went to family in October. It was like after October, I've just been like, I'm staying here. Ugh, it feels so good. Yeah, it does. Um, it's to the point I could never go back to being that busy. Relationships are just going to have to be, like, looser. Yeah, less frequent, totally. <laughs> yeah, less frequent. And, like, you know, you and I are, like, a perfect example of that. It's like, you know, we can go however long, and then we always, like, are still thinking of each other, so we pop in and reconnect. But um, it's, I think... It's been a really nice thing to relax and still see that, like, the sky doesn't fall if I'm not, like, keeping everything together, keeping all the engagements and all the friendships as tight. Like, yeah. It also is, like, doesn't need to be the Sadie show all the time in people's lives. You need a break from me. <laughs> I feel like it also makes relationships really sweet. Like, I feel like our relationship is sweet because, like, the times are less frequent so like when I am with you I am present because I'm like actually I'm like you know I'm not t talking to you every day knowing everything that's happening yeah. um, and I think that that's true in relationship too like I think when there's a little bit of space like intimate relationship it creates like 
I don't know. It creates something really beautiful. You get alone time. Yeah, you get alone time, and and it keeps the person mysterious. And I definitely don't feel that. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, Matt's schedule is so out of control and dynamic that I would we do so much better when we have stability in schedule. Mm. It's like get in a groove and then he's gone and then we get in a groove and then he's gone and so it's like we don't really have routine around each other yeah the other night he was working last night and it was like the first night I had had by myself because I just gotten back from a trip that I'm like was such a blast but Mm. also from and um he had been home like the following days and so last night was my first night alone and the house was such a mess (laughs) I was such a mess and I was just thinking, like, this is so wonderful to be a mess, mm-hmm. just to not have to be picking up after every dish, you know, because we're, like, being considerate of each other's experiences, you know, we're yeah. roommates, basically. we're, like, husband and wife slash roommates, <laughs> and um, I just think that there's something about having that downtime that as much as, like, it does bring turbulence, it is also essential for me. Like, I very much appreciate that. Yeah. I feel bad because he doesn't get it, but, I mean, he often will get, like, an entire day maybe and I'll be at work so he can kind of, like, do his own thing. Totally. Totally. But then I'm sure the nervous system starts to get activated as the time gets later <laughs> when Sadie's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here she comes. Here she comes. <laughs> no. It's like, oh, here she comes. Oh, I hope so. I'm it sure. is. <laughs> um, well, I might wrap up. Yeah. Oh my God, Kimberly, you're gonna have to edit this. No, I'm definitely not gonna edit this. <laughs> um, if you guys loved this, write and review it. Um, thanks so much. Until next time. <laughs>